From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It is Wake Up Warchant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill in Tallahassee. Coming up on today's show, it's the Renegade Express. Questions from our valued subscribers over on Warchant.com's Tribal Council. Lots of questions about the transfer portal, 2023, Adam Fuller. It's a lot. We'll try to get to most of it. Wake Up Warchant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill in Tallahassee, Florida. Check out their daily lunch specials on Fridays. Hand-breaded chicken finger basket. Get your side dish with it as well. It's only $8.99. Serve from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. You get straight fries, curly fries, onion rings, potato salad, broccoli, side salad, tater tots, or freshly cooked potato chips along with those chicken fingers. So check it all out. Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. This weekend, maybe not a lot of uh, college football on. I don't think any college football on, but go hang out. You'll meet somebody cool probably. Maybe even Corey Clark. Throw some darts. Shoot some pool. Over at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Warchant.com, the ultimate symbol sports source. Hit the thumbs up. Subscribe to our website. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and leave a five-star rating and review. He is here, everybody. Uh, playing Hurt, fresh off a of root canal. He's back, and he's got his microphone with him. So the dulcet tones of Corey Clark now, everybody. What's up, Corey? What's up, buddy? How are you, man? Good. Uh, yeah, I apologize to everyone uh, who listened to headlines, too, uh, for not having my mic, but uh, it's it's right in front of my face right now, so we're all good. Gosh, we made it. Sounds so good. How you doing? How was the root canal? Uh, you know, rumors of your demise greatly exaggerated? Yeah, they're not uh, nearly what they were. Uh, I, you know, I haven't really thought about a root canal, really, since I was a kid, but uh, I, it just sounds so painful. Um, but no, it, you know, look, I'm still, as we do this, I'm still numb a little. So we'll see what I'm saying in a few hours when it all wears off. But yeah, he uh, he uh, he taught me through the whole thing, like literally step by step. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing now. This is what I'm doing now. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to be like, hey man, you just get to work. I I'm fine. I I'm closing my eyes and I'm opening my mouth. I'm, but he, he, you know, he was nice. He told me everything they were doing, all the um, anesthesia they were giving me, and uh, yeah. So I'm all I'm all good now, buddy. I hope and I hope my pain that I've been suffering for the last couple months uh, is now gone. All right, well, good. Good, we wish for the best. I feel good. It's the year of Corey, 2023, it man. It's 2023, Absolutely. I'm trying to get my life in order. Absolutely. Lots going on over at Warchant.com. There's been a nugget on there for several days about uh, a possible name to look at for uh, the defensive backs vacancy uh, that Marcus Woodson has left behind. Uh, nice piece with Ira and the gang about how aggressive Florida State should be when it comes to uh, Mike Norvell's contract, which is being renegotiated as we speak. And then possibly some, I don't know, we're thinking there's some good vibes maybe on the horizon Florida for Florida State, Corey, with maybe somebody, maybe we'll get someone from Jared Verse here in the next 24, 48 hours as people listening to this, and then maybe things are trending well for Florida State, we think, hopefully, fingers crossed. Will that change yeah. anything for you? Like, if, if Jared Verse comes out in the next 24 hours, and I know we're so far away, and we're going to be talking about expectations all off season long we got lots of questions about it here in this mailbag we're going to jump into here but if you hear him say he's coming back does that affect your your projections your your optimism and hope for florida state in 2023 and how would it yeah i mean it'd be weird if it didn't uh because you're talking about one of the better defensive linemen in the country and a guy that i think you just saw a glimpse man you just saw a glimpse of what he can be um because he wasn't healthy for most of the year 
um, you know, he he was as dynamic and, and athletic and freakish as he was. I don't ever think he was 100% healthy since the Louisville game, yeah. which was the third game of the season. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so imagine what he's going to look like, you know, if he came back, uh, you know, a year bigger, better, and stronger, and faster, and healthier. Uh, I think you're talking about a an award candidate for, like, National Player of the Year awards. I think you're talking about an All-American. I think you're talking about going into next season with probably the preseason offensive and defensive players of the year in your conference. So, yeah, I think it'd be a big deal. <laughs> Good place to be. Good place. Well, yeah. well said. Well said, Corey. All right, man, let's get to this Renegade Express mailbag. Lots in here. Uh, bundled up as many as I could. Uh, okay. The first come from our guys, Noel Boyo 2 and our friend over in Hawaii, Ralph. So, uh, Noel Boyo 2 is in there first. Hey, guys, wake up. I know many have wondered since TCU made the championship game with a roster overhauled by the portal, could something similar be done here? I believe maybe, but next year all I want is an ACC championship. And then Ralph follows up with, I hear a lot of our Ohana, that's family, everybody. Also, he says, aloha, guys. How's it? Mm. Uh, here's a lot of chatter about conference championship as a reasonable next step, but uh, what's the difference then uh, between Florida State and TCU? I ask this because I think a national championship is an achievable goal. So I don't know. I guess some people are maybe some more people are looking at what Sonny Dykes and, and the Horned Frogs have done here and thinking that maybe a conference championship is more than practical and maybe even more needs to be sort of expected and hoped for out of the team. Is there any differences you think between TCU and Florida State? I mean, I know TCU's got a really elite wide receiver, a really good uh, running back. Max Duggan was was quite solid. I don't know if he's any better than than Jordan Travis, maybe just one of those things where they weren't the hunted. They kind of were able to creep through the season long enough. So it's going to be a little bit different for Florida State to do this next year with all these expectations. But, I mean, TCU just feels like lightning in a bottle. Congrats to them. They, they figured it out. I don't know if uh, there's a lot of parallels between these two, but I do think Florida State has the tools in their tool bag and the schedule next year to make something similar happen. But it wouldn't be all that similar, Corey, right? Because there's expectations on this team. There weren't any kind of expectations on TCU heading into this season. Well, there there weren't any expectations on TCU until November, right? And then right. they actually had to start dealing with them. They're like, well, if we keep winning, we can uh, we can maybe go do something special. Yeah. Um, so they had to deal with it for the final month. But no, they did not have to deal with it like Florida State's going to have to deal with it for the next eight or nine months. I would say this. If TCU and Florida State were playing right now, like, sorry, if they were playing on Monday night, Maybe TCU is favored, but it's by a few points. Yeah. And I would have a very good, I mean, I, I would have confidence that Florida State could win that game. Think about that statement that Florida State is in a place now where if they were playing one of the two teams playing for the national championship, you would feel good about their chances. Maybe not against Georgia. I'm not saying I think they beat Georgia. And I don't think TCU is going to beat Georgia. But TCU is one of the last two standing. And I think Florida State is probably as good a team as that one. That's a cool place to be, man. So to answer the question, yeah, they can get this far next year if things break right. Uh, when you have a great quarterback like TCU has and like your, your team has going into next season, the world is your oyster. You can go do anything. And Florida State should have a competent defense at the very least and perhaps a good one to go along with all those weapons and some guys that are real NFL players. You've got real NFL talent now. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't think you can put a ceiling on this. And I guess it sounds like I do when I say I just want them to get to Charlotte. That's kind of my floor. Yes. But like Norvell said after the game, I, I don't 
don't put any I limits. Don't think you sh- I don't put any limits on this team. I don't think you need a ceiling for this team. I don't. I really don't. I mean, we have no idea. College football is changing so rapidly in front of us that none of us could. If you're one of the top ten teams in the country, which Florida State is and will be to start next season, why wouldn't you think you can win the national title? You don't look at anybody next year and think, oh my gosh, they're unbeatable. Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State are the three teams always, right? And Clemson, throw all four of them in there. Well, all four are breaking in new quarterbacks. And when you're breaking in new quarterbacks, you have no idea how the season's going to go, even with all that talent. So you you have an advantage over those four powers at the position, the biggest position on the field. And it's not like you have a bunch of slappies everywhere else. So, yes, I, I think I, you know, I, I get the comparison to TCU. I think TCU was lucky to beat Michigan, but not incredibly lucky. They made some breaks. They had two pick sixes, and they also scored 40 points on offense. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't watch that game and think TCU was overmatched. I thought the better team probably lost, but guess what? That's sports. So, yes, Florida State will probably, if they got some, not somehow, but if they got to the playoff next year, they would probably be matched up maybe with a team that has more NFL talent, is maybe a better team. But sports and football happens, and you can win that game. And it's crazy to be in a place where if somebody said, hey, you think Florida State could make the the playoffs next year? Um, You'd be like, "Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, I do. I kind of think they have a pretty good chance at it. That's where I am now. It's a cool place to be, everyone. It is amazing. Uh, next question comes from Raw Dog, 2G's 1. How much should Florida State be willing to pay Alex Atkins? $1.5 million? Double his salary, which I think is currently eight hundred fifty, if I'm not mistaken? And how many years should they go for? Ira and I kind of talked about this on the drive down to Orlando. He is of the opinion that Alex Atkins doesn't strike him as a opportunistic kind of guy, like looking for his next move, like, He's going to probably be pretty picky on where he does go in terms of like a head coaching job. I think he's – I don't know. I think the allure of being a head football coach at any half-decent program, even like group of five, for a guy who's never done it before is pretty intoxicating. So um, I don't know. You can throw whatever kind of contract you want. I think if you give him $1.75 million for four years, I think if uh, – I mean, do I want to say Troy? I mean, if Troy comes and offers him $2.5 million, I think he goes and takes the job. I don't think there's anything wrong with that either, but yeah, I have no. There's no. There's no limit, pretty much, to what they could pay Alex Atkins that I, w- I would be opposed to. He has more than earned his paycheck along with Mike Norvell. Yeah, but I, I like your point. Uh, number one, I don't know that Troy pays that kind of money. That would be crazy. But God bless him if they do. Um, but no, to your point, if say uh, a team could offer him two million dollars to be the head coach in Florida State, Florida, it, it, the the terms don't matter. There's nothing you can do for an offensive coordinator that wants to be a head coach to keep him from being a head coach if a good opportunity comes up. There just isn't. Um, so I, he said before he wants to be a head coach. I think he'd be a very good one. Um, but I, you know, I think Aslan's right. I think he's, he, you need to wait for the right – because you can derail your head coaching career. And he's aware of that. And he's, he's yes. aware – he's very cognizant of that. Yes. You which take the Ira's wrong point, job. Which is Ira's yeah. point. Shout out, Ira. Yeah, you take the wrong job, and your chances of becoming a head coach at the Power 5 level uh, decrease uh, drastically – for the rest of your life, if you take a job and go, I don't know, man, three and twenty, which some of these programs are just in awful shape. So he's got to be discerning when he's when he's picking the job he wants. But I I think, man, just think about this offense again next year and what he's done with this offensive line, and 
this team in general. Like, if they go and win 10 or 11 games again and the offense averages 40 points again, the offensive line is one of the better ones in the country again, don't you think he has his pick of not uh, of not group of five, but there might be a power five oh, yeah. school or three oh, yeah. that comes his way? And you just can't – it's not like the language in the contract would keep him here. We know how these contracts are written. There's outs all over the place. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to sign one that doesn't have an out. So, yes, sign him up for whatever he wants, man, 1.4. He's not going to be here that long. So if you if you want to make sure he's here for 2024, the first year of the playoff, sign him to a three-year, I don't know, man, $5 million contract. But, you know, if something else comes, he's going to he, – if, if a good head coaching opportunity comes, I think he'd – I think we all think he'd probably take it. Well, going to bundle three together. This is the Adam Fuller portion of the program. Noel Blooded offers up a scenario where Florida State brings in Jim Leonard. You move Adam Fuller to your director of defense. That way, when Lionheart, as he puts it, Leonard would leave, you just put Fuller back there as an interim until you bring in your next hot name and repeat. Um, he wants to start something called uh, Fuller's Fundamentals. Sign him up. It'll be dope. Eight-year deal. Uh, I don't know if it'll work like that. Uh then we get to our guy here who's he's been resilient in exile, which is very fitting of his name. Corey, did Ira ever get word back on Fuller's contract? This Corey is, uh, I guess, someone who listened to seminal headlines, which a lot of people do that listen to this show. Sure. But apparently didn't like the way that you guys kind of balked or, or blew off somebody who uh, wrote in asking about Adam Fuller's contract. He's he's really I don't want to say anti Adam Fuller, but he's very uh, he's a fuller truther. He wants a lot of information, background, wants to know what's up with his contract. Uh, to which I would say I don't want to blow and balk you off either, but um, he's not leaving. And I don't know what you what you do to a coach that's just presided over a defense that's 16th in yards allowed and 4th in yards allowed through the air and 24th in points allowed. And then our last guy that wants to talk about Adam Fuller is towards the bottom of the list. It's, uh, it's our guy, Tennis Ump. Um, no, it's not Tennis Ump. It's the next guy. Steel 1217. Sorry, uh, Corey. I'll get better at this, I promise. Um, he points out, I think he's someone who kind of is along the same lane of us about Fuller catches a lot of grief, but even George just gave up a ton of points, which does at every position. I think it's more of a rule thing. The game is slanted towards the offense. So, um, yeah. Th- thoughts on Adam Fuller, his contract, uh, and making him step aside so Jim Leonard can can rehabilitate his career here and then leave immediately after. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that uh, – I, I don't know. I can't even imagine how that would work as far as like, okay, you're not going to be on the coaching staff, but you're going to be our director of defense um, as we bring in uh, this hot shot other name that will be here for a year until he goes and tries to be a head coach somewhere else. Um, look, uh, were, were there some problems with the defense this year? Sure. Um, the Oklahoma game, though, gang, I, I just don't see how much that was schematic where you would – you could not stop the run. You, because you, you're not you're not good enough on the defensive line as you were currently constructed in Orlando to stop the run. Now you can say, well, that's the head coach's job to get better. I or the the coordinator's job to get better. I get it, but I think to the overall point, Aslan's right. I, you're not you're Adam Fuller's not going anywhere. So the contract. I don't know that we 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 uh, we dismissed any talk of the contract. The 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 what we were talking about is like. They don't announce those types of extensions. So whether Fuller, when we've asked, that's all we can do. We can't break into the Moore Center 
and go into somebody's uh, drawer or filing cabinet Ooh. and find the contract. That's like Watergate. I guess we could. It's Watergate, bro. That's exactly I, what they did. We I guess we could, actually. I don't know why I'm limiting. But don't, we shouldn't put, a, I shouldn't put a ceiling on what we can do at War Chant. We should go break and enter. But we've asked for the contract. Uh, but until we get it, we don't know if he's been extended or if he's still on the same contract or if they've, and or how long the extension was. But I think we all assume Adam Fuller will be uh, back here next year. So, with that thought, looking ahead at the defense, well, look, man, you know, part of, part of his job is talent acquisition. Um, they just got the number one cornerback in the portal, uh -huh. and they got the number one defensive lineman in the portal. They got Fabian Lovett to come back, uh -huh. and maybe they get Jared Verse to come back. And now, all of a sudden, you're looking at a defense that should be one of the, I don't know, better ones in the conference, top 20. And you can't look at what they did this year and think that they weren't. That just tells me you're not watching college football. But that doesn't mean that Florida State has to accept decent. Good is the enemy of great, Aslan, as I've always said. Oh, so I like that. The, the, the defense was pretty good this year, but it wasn't great. But Whose defense was other than Georgia right. against Tennessee that like shut yeah. down an elite defense? And Michigan, Michigan had a great defense, and they gave up 50 yeah. in a playoff game. I think... What I think is a genuine complaint about Florida State this year, and it's one that I've had, is it wasn't like only elite offenses were, were carving you up. Louisville did not have an elite offense, and you gave up 300 yards and a half. Oklahoma, as it was constructed, it's a good players, clearly, and those running backs were good. They were no joke, even though they lost a 1,300-yard uh, runner and, uh, and Gabriel was good. You, you know, you, they kind of moved up and down the field on you a little bit there too and they ran all over you florida did not have an elite offense a good offense not an elite one and i wouldn't call him an elite quarterback and dj ungale was certainly not an elite quarterback but you made him look elite that's a that's a fair complaint yeah um yeah. i i would just say playing defense is hard can it you is. do better than adam fuller i i guess but who who are you getting who do you guys want that's significantly, substantially better. Why would they come here? What What do you do with Adam Fuller? What do you do with this co this coaching staff? I think, I think we we need to realize how bad they were, and that quite frankly, they still had some deficiencies. That the the the, bat, the defensive line was not great. The linebacker play, I thought at times this year, was not good at all. The cornerback play struggled at times. Um. Now, the, 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 the one complaint you can make, and I think it was Jeff's biggest complaint when it came to uh, Woodson, was they don't, they don't teach zone well. And they've got to get better about, about that. We're in 2023. I don't know that you need to play man the whole time. But by and large, when you, look, when you take a step back and look at the season, it was a decent defense. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the losses, they did not lose the weight game because of nope. the defense. Nope. And they did not lose the NC State game because of the defense. Correct. So, yeah, that's all right. I, that's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I get everybody like we want to see Mickey. We want to see 96 defense or 97, 96, maybe 99 defense. You know, we want to see 2013. That's just not happening anymore. Um, it's just not. I mean, I know we've we mentioned the, the parody in this sport and how much it's, it's caught up. And uh, it's just but then they go and blow out teams the way they used to back in the glory days. So you're probably thinking, well, hey, they can blow out teams the way they used to do in the glory days. Why can't they just clamp down on teams? And it's like, well, the, the teams that are lowly, you know, the, the Georgia Techs, uh, the Louisiana Lafayettes, they did. I mean, they, they made those teams look absolutely incompetent. Yes. So yep. 
Um, and then when they played pretty good offenses, they had problems. But most Which most defenses do. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. But we get it, everybody. You want more? It's fine. You know, hopefully somehow it'll all be solved. Moving along, then. Uh, next question here as I have to scroll all the way back up. Sometimes it's tough, Corey. I thought this great plan about putting all these questions together, but then it's always tough to find them. But anyhow, we're back. VCAL5, he calls us AC. Mm. A slash C. Vince from L.A., great to hop off a plane, grab a beverage at Harry Buffalo, and meet the both of you. I don't remember meeting. Did I remember Vince? Did I put a Vince down in my thanks? But, uh... Who All right, Vince, knows, buddy. Well, we you. met a lot of people, but Vince, it was good meeting you too, buddy. I know, but I'm very cognizant to put down everybody's name. I just want to make sure I don't uh, botch it. But anyhow, moving along, we got lots of questions, so I'll just get to it. He's a former FSU baseball player, so he lives by superstition. His request is that we replay the Cheez-It schedule for the LSU game, which I guess is like uh, maybe the preparation and everything, or we can run it back and do Harry Buffalo the day before the game. Maybe that's mm. what he wants, so we'll okay, see what we yeah. can do. Uh, do you have a pregame ritual, dress, uh, apparel, meal, the way you want to send the press box that assures a Florida State win? I do not. Do you, Corey? I don't either. I'll tell you the last thing I did was um, for 2013, traveled up to Pittsburgh, drove the whole way because I'm awesome, um, get in late Saturday night. Remember, it was a Monday night game. Uh, get in late Saturday night, pull into downtown Pittsburgh with not a place to stay because I kept trying to stay in West Virginia. But every single hotel that I called or went into was uh, booked because it was the state fair and West Virginia had a home football game that day. So that was fun. So I just decided I'm going all the way to downtown and I'm going to go to the Hyatt and I'm going to see what happens. Anyway, get to the Hyatt. Really nice lady finds me one last room that hadn't been booked. She gets it to me for a, a good rate. Sunday, I realize, oh, I forgot my all my clothes oh, and all I'm in is shorts. And you can't go, and they're not even like nice khaki shorts. Not that I own any of those. They were like gym shorts. So Sunday, maybe it was Monday, Ira, uh, Tim Lenefelt, and I are all doing our tour sighting stuff, and there's this gift shop that has these $80 jeans that I think are probably, I, I think there's a chance they were female jeans, but I'm not 100% sure, but that's all I had. So I wore them because that's all I, I had to spend $80 on jeans, which was crazy. Um, they feel, I feel like there was like a sequin by the pocket. I, it's hard to explain, I, but you couldn't see it. No expense spared it. for Corey Clark. No, right. They, they were tight too. So you would have liked them Aslan. And, um, and, uh, yeah. So that was that night. I wore them the first game that first night I wore them. It was the pit game. And we all remember how that went. So then the next big game, I'm like, you know what? I'm a pretty superstitious guy. These things have been pretty good. How great would it be for all of us if Florida State was able to win in Death Valley for the first time in forever? So I wore them to Death Valley. And then I put them back in the, I put them back in the, uh, dr the dresser until the uh, national championship game against Auburn. So they were 3-0, and and I haven't worn them since. Look at that. Maybe, maybe those will come back out at some point. I'm going to say, maybe I should start. I don't know where they are. I have to go find them. Shanna probably burned them. But if she didn't, um, I'll go look for them, and I can wear them this year because, hey, man, they got championship aspirations coming up. We've kind of touched on this. We'll maybe keep this one a little bit brief, but it's our guy, My Truth. Wake up. Thanks for the great coverage. It makes my day, which has all kinds of implications for the world. Ira has gone out on the limb calling for us to claim the ACC title next year. What say you? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Florida State number one in the Atlantic. Or, no, there's no conferences. There's no divisions anymore. But when we go to Charlotte for kickoff, I am putting Florida State as my preseason pick to win the conference. I, again, I don't, 
Clemson will, Clemson's not going to fade into Bolivian. Uh, shout out Mike Tyson. But hmm. Florida State, I just think, is right now as we sit here and we look at this roster and we think about how they're moving along. And I don't think there's going to be anything in the offseason that's going to be going to derail what I think Florida State's going to be unless there's catastrophic injury or something like that. But if they maintain their health, I just see Florida State as being the preseason pick to win this conference. We'll see where everything happens when the, the expectations are on their shoulders and they're playing LSU and they're you know playing Miami in the middle of the season and trying to chase the playoff and having to close out against Florida in the swamp. We'll see how that all goes. But right now, yes, ACC championship is my expectation, Corey. I think uh, the verse decision hinges with me a lot because I, I just think having a, a, an exceptional pass rusher to go along with Lovett and Fisk in the middle and Jackson in the middle uh, would be enormous uh, for this team. But, yeah, man, there's there's no shame and no reason not to. Um, that's how good the offense is. That's how good the quarterback is. Um, yeah, I, I – I, I, the, the fact that there's no divisions gives me a lot more hope than otherwise because again if they lost to Clemson they would have no chance and they play at Clemson that's t- they don't lose there often so that's that's a tough place to play but they can still afford that loss and maybe another loss quite frankly and still get to Charlotte and then go beat Clemson in December so yeah I I think they uh I'm not going to predict it because I'm terrible at predictions but it would not stun me at all if they won the ACC this year Hey, it's a new year, everybody. It's a new you. So why don't you give yourself a fresh start at MyBookie, whether you want to bet to earn some extra dollars or you just want to make the games more exciting, which is kind of what I end up doing because I usually lose these games. MyBookie gives you the most for your money with their redesigned deposit bonus. Just use that promo code WARCHANT on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive a cash bonus instantly. Not can, you will receive a cash bonus instantly into your MyBookie account. Using the bonus is simple. You just got to bet the deposit amount just once. And then you're ready to cash out. No strings attached with my bookie. Bet on the NFL, the UFC, or play for a share of big cash prizes in a weekly online blackjack tournament. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet, win, and get your money in and out like my bookie, where you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Still 12 and a half points, uh, the line over at my bookie with Georgia and TCU. If it was Florida State, Georgia, what do you think the line would be? What do you think our guys at my bookie would set it at, Corey? Like Georgia, six say- and a half? I would say, no, I'd say around 10. Oh, okay. I'd say 9 or 10. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe Corey and I will get to send some lines. We'll see how the how close the Georgia TCU game is, and maybe we'll get the dogs at some point next season in the playoff. Total points of 62.5. Use the promo code WARCHANT when you go to mybookie.ag. Get that deposit bonus in your pocket. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Transfer portal portion of the program, Corey. Lots of questions about the transfer portal. Uh, We'll try to cluster these all together and I'll try to blend them 
Here we go. Old dad's a Nolan wake up. Thank you, old dad. The portal has turned us from god-awful to a good team. How nice is it to be able to watch this team again? Uh, we seem extremely similar to what Coach Bill Snyder did at Kansas State going the JUCO route. He turned a dumpster fire into a very good team. My question is, how different is it using this venue to free agent five to six guys in yearly that can start for you? And more importantly, how sustainable is this long term? Our guy Mark Naples, wake up, he says. He had to uh, barely got to the game in time because of all the traffic on I-4, which, Corey, mm. you can empathize with. Yep, 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 yep. Mike built a winning roster largely through the portal. It was clearly intentional. He knew what he inherited. He knew he wasn't going to get all that time to rebuild the roster with high school recruits. Uh, they all bought in and helped the culture and the foundation. Now 10-win season is the standard again. Let's see how those Miami prize classes pan out. Uh, what are your thoughts on how important the recruiting uh, is now with the transfer portal? And then our guy here at the bottom... Tennisump, our guy Dave from Birmingham, he just kind of wants to tack on about how important uh, the portal is because you can really see what these guys are afterwards. He's in the Alabama area, Bir Birmingham area of Alabama, rather. Uh, they had the Brockermeyer twins. These were two big recruits. I remember they went to Texas. Uh, one of them was the number one tackle coming out two years ago. Everybody wanted him. Fast forward two years, he's already gone, and his twin, who they all said uh, only they signed to be able to get the better one who's already gone. He's he's going to stay put. Meanwhile, Florida State got the number two portal tackle uh, whom they'll have several years of college film on and will undoubtedly start game one. So can you keep doing five to six guys going to the portal and how sustainable is it? I think it's sustainable, Corey. I just, I just don't know. You, you're, no one's going to be like, all right, I'm done on high school kids. You just, you're going to have to be yeah. maybe a little bit more persnickety or you're going to have to have a better hit rate. But I think what Mike Norvell's doing – Man, it's kind of the blueprint. I, how can you argue against it? If you're any first-year coach, how could you not look at what Mike Norvell's done with the transfer portal and be like, that's the way to do it? Because I think it's sustainable. I, I don't. These guys are not going to stop you know, developing in other programs and wanting to leave uh, and, and maybe having situations that are better at Florida State for them. It just We, we said Jermaine was a, a shooting star. They got Jared Verse. Uh, we'll see how Braden Fisk turns out. It just it, there's, I'm not a very optimistic pie in the sky guy for a lot of things, but to me this seems pretty waterproof. Maybe not completely bulletproof, but pretty waterproof at least. Yeah, uh, I I tend to agree with you. I think that uh, it, it's just going to be a it's going to be a matter of if they police it at all, which I don't know how they could. But as long as this is the way of the world, then this has to be a part of your game plan because. Again, you get ready-made players that can play, and it, it comes down to let's take those Brockmeyer kids for it. Let you know what? Let's take um, let's take Timmy Jernigan, okay. for example. You got two great years out of Timmy Jernigan, right? Mm -hmm. His freshman year, he played, but you know he was a backup. He played, he was good, but then he became a he became really good in twelve, and then was you know one of the best defensive players in the country in thirteen. That's awesome. But you're, you're basically, you, you got him, you did all the recruiting work, the hours upon hours of putting in time with that kid. And even if Urban Meyer doesn't all of a sudden have a heart attack again or whatever he said he had, um, uh, th then he's probably going to Florida. But Urban Meyer quits again, and you get Timmy Jernigan. He doesn't do much for your 11 team, but he does a lot for your 12 team and becomes a, an, an invaluable part of your 13 team. So you got two real productive years of Timmy Jernigan for all those hours and hours and hours of recruiting. 
let's say Braden Fisk only plays one year for Florida State, but it's a Jernigan-like year. Yeah. Well, man, you what'd you put in work-wise to get Braden Fisk? Mm-hmm. 12 hours? 11 hours? I don't know. I don't know how any of the transfer portal recruiting really works. You reach out, you have a conversation, he comes and visits, then he, then he commits. As opposed to having to wine and dine and call these kids for years. You're talking about a couple of weeks, and on top of that, now Jernigan might, in hindsight, seem like a surefire can't miss kid, but none of the none of these guys are. There aren't can't miss kids out coming out of high school. There are can't miss guys coming out of the portal, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I just think the math changes some. And you, yes, you're always going to need high school kids because man, you you can't just go to the portal for 40 guys a year. That's the that this is a one year uh, one off mm-hmm. or two year off. When it comes to you can just get as many guys as you want and put them on your roster. So there will be limits to roster. Uh, there will be roster limits as far as how many people you can add to your program each year moving forward. But as it is now, you absolutely want six or seven guys from the portal that you think will be able to play right away. You are, you are trading one year of Braden Fisk for the two years of pick somebody else. Jernigan's a bad example because, uh, you know, he was, he was awesome. Um, but, Pick but someone guy, who has... Well, someone, like, take those Brockermeyer kids you were just talking about. Brockermeyer, yeah. Brockermeyer, you, everybody wanted those guys. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted those guys. You thought they were can't-miss guys. One's the number one rated offensive tackle in the country. What did that end up meaning? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. But if you get the number six kid in the portal, like if you get the number one defensive tackle in the portal and the number one offensive tackle in the portal and the number one tight end in the portal and the number one cornerback in the portal, I bet all four of those guys are going to produce for you at a level that you would expect a five-star to produce for. You only get one year of it, maybe, but, man, is that, that, that's worth it, man. It's like signing a free agent to a one-year contract. Now, with Verse, it might end up being a two-year contract. With Jamie Robinson, it was a two-year contract. But, yeah, man, I, I, don't, I don't see why this would stop. I think uh, what Mike Norvell has done is really smart, though, because he is, it isn't all portal guys. You know, in it, in it, you know, he does have high school players that he's bringing in that they're developing. And maybe some of these high school kids from the last two classes develop to the point where you don't need 10 more guys in the portal. You just need seven or you need five. But they're so specific, right? Mm-hmm. They're so You can specify, okay, we've got a hole here and a hole here. We've got to meet these needs. We're fine here and here. And I just think you get more targeted in what you're doing, and you're not just throwing a bunch of bodies at a bunch of positions, you get much more targeted. And I think by this time next year, that might be where Florida State is. Random underscore John, good morning, guys. I hope 2023 finds you covering a national title-winning baseball, football, women's basketball, soccer, softball, Mm. and if by some miracle, maybe men's basketball. But let's not get greedy. Well, yeah. Now that FSU and Mike Norvell have tasted sweet success at the big boy level, how do you feel Norvell and the team will handle that success? Are we looking at a team akin to 2012, which kind of get over the hump, or do we have the pieces to make a 2013 run? Why or why not? Yeah, also, a- also, Mrs. Random underscore John wants to join Warchant and poke fun at me. What say you? Are you ready for my better half? Absolutely. Absolutely. Bring her on. We, Bring her on. All, all the women you we can that can listen, we want we want more women listeners. Everybody listening to this, if you have I, I know we have women listeners, go tell all your friends. Dudes, go tell your your wives or your girlfriends. Are you just your family friends, your sisters, your moms? We want we want it all. We want a, a diversified uh, audience. Um, I yeah, I was thinking I yeah, I mean, 
yes, I, I don't, because I think the beauty of this team going into next year is what have they really accomplished? They haven't won a championship. State only, championship. Yeah, state championship. Well, that's true. But the only trophy they put in a case has Cheez-Its in it. So you haven't done a ton well, yet. They got the Louisiana kickoff classic trophy in the case as well. That's true, buddy. That's true. Sorry, and, I, they, and if they, uh, maybe they have some sort of, I mean, they have that trophy with Virginia. Jefferson maybe, Epps. The Jefferson Epps. Maybe they get that for getting uh, Cypress. <laughs> maybe it comes back to Florida State because you, you got their best player out of the portal. That's how it'll work from now on. Um, but no, I think that's the beauty of this team is there's no reason they shouldn't be hungry. The one... The, the one thing I'll bring up, though, is remember a couple years ago when the Hawks made that run to the Eastern yes. Conference Finals? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the next year they started playing, and they could not regain any sort of that magic through the first, well, really all season, but through the first couple of months, and they were talking about being kind of bored. And it's like, what do you mean you're bored? Y'all haven't won anything. You won two playoff series. One against a struggling Sixers team that just imploded. But... You haven't accomplished enough to be bored by the regular season. And it turns out they're just not very good anymore. But Florida State, I would I would hope that wouldn't – I just couldn't imagine they would go into next season thinking they've arrived because they haven't. Yes, it's awesome that you got to 10 wins and you changed the wall in the locker room. And it's awesome that you finished maybe top 10 in the country or start next season top 10 in the country and have real expectations. But none of the guys on this roster, not one – have won any sort of championship at the college level. So you would hope and think and pray that they would still have the same hunger that they had this season because none of them have accomplished, especially at a place like Florida State, none of them have accomplished enough to, to go into next season coasting and feeling great about themselves. They still have a ton to prove, all of them, all, every single one of them. Yeah. I mean, 13, again, I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth, but they did have like a stinging elite defense, although they kind of napped a little bit in the national title game. Um, they had a really good kicker, but yeah. I would I would look at this team maybe more, you know, in hindsight, going into 2012, as you pointed out the last show, like there was a lot of good feeling about that, and especially when they beat Clemson, you felt like, okay, this, this team is legit. Uh, Raleigh proved to you know yeah. humble us a little bit. Um, I agree with what you're saying, though. Listen, these guys are coming back, obviously, because the NIL. Shout out to the people that step up and make that happen. They do like this coaching staff when he's created. But I think they all also are looking around and realizing, like, we are really good, and we can do something really special here. We can, we can compete for a national title if we all come back. And, like, why not? At this school, we're getting paid. We're being compensated by for our name, image, and likeness. So I, I think they will embrace it. I don't think there's going to be anything that's going to catch them off guard when – they start hearing reports that this entity or this outlet or this journalist has got them in their preseason top 10. They're a dark horse playoff spot. I don't think it's going to necessarily make them, you know, get complacent or it's going to make them start believing their press clippings. I think it'll just kind of feed more into it because, man, they they believe the entire season. They never got too ahead of themselves this year, and they saw how, how much success they had because of it, right? They, they didn't let that three-game losing yeah. streak get in their heads. They came back, and every week just wanted to get better 1%. I mean, it's it's nauseous to hear at a certain degree, but they really believed it, and they saw what happens when they stick to that. So now give them a whole season, everybody healthy. Um, it's it's hard to see where what could go wrong. I mean, things do though. It's it's college football, but as we sit here and talk about it, um, I'd say a little bit closer to thirteen than twelve in, in terms of what. Yeah, they could be. and you can never know the mindset, but I don't think it's close to fourteen. 
which is oh, what I right. think a lot of people might be worried about. Mm-hmm is the 14 mindset compared to the 13 mindset. Well, that team on the, all those guys knew they were going to be drafted high in the NFL draft. They were kind of just playing out their college strings before they were eligible to go to the, go to the league and they'd all won a championship. So this shouldn't be anything like that because I don't think those guys took preparation seriously. I don't think they took game to game seriously, but I think this team will. And again, it, I go back to that Syracuse game, man. I, I just I, I was so impressed with how they came out in that game after the molly whopping they gave Miami to come out and do the exact same thing on the road against a better team. Just I, I think that's that was an insight into their mindset, into the culture of this program. And if it's as strong as we're led to believe it is, that won't change because they ended up winning six games to start the year. I think whether they win or lose against LSU, they will take the next game very, very seriously because I feel just like that's how they're built. That's what he's trying to build. It looks like we got Ira's burner account here, RBI1984. Thanks for doing your best to get to our questions. Here's my two-parter. Come on, Ribby. You know we're busy. All right, we want to talk a lot about running backs and snaps and divvying things up. At what point in our attempt to get the five-star high school studs will we have to be concerned that our running success, frankly, doesn't mean a high number of carries? Um, I believe our high schools will blend with our success in the transfer pool to raise the overall talent and therefore success of the team is our message to the high school running backs that we will let them get their share, but they won't get run down. You know, they'll be safe and preserved. Uh, As usual, every aspect of success versus failure is a delicate balance. Go Knowles. Well, yeah, well well said, or well written, I guess. Um, It was even better if I would have read it all verbatim. Yeah, man, oh. running backs. I mean, I don't know. You're, yeah, you won't get Dalvin. I mean, you didn't get the uh, Cedric Baxter kid because he wants to go to Texas and be B. John Robinson and get the ball 25 times a game. And Jordan Travis going to leave at some point, everybody. So maybe at that point they might get a little bit more, you know, interested in, in giving a lead back a lot more carries. But I think where they feel they're at right now, well, what they have coming back, uh, they didn't necessarily need to kind of mortgage false dreams and hopes to a kid because they like what they have right now. Now they're not going to have Jordan Travis all the time. Maybe at that point, Corey, they have to kind of start going after these high, high top end guys. But for next season, I I don't think like them not having some kind of Dalvin Cook superstar is going to be the thing that's going to hold them back from accomplishing what they're capable of. But will it be a problem not getting that five-star stud at some point at running back? I mean... Maybe, but it's hard to quantify, right? Like their running game has been good since they've gotten here. Now, would Dalvin Cook add how many how many wins does Dalvin Cook add to this year's team? Well, here's the thing, Corey. So three national championships at this university. I think we could say like Warwick Dunn was like a five star uh, sure. stud, but you know, ninety nine you had Travis Minor most you know t- taking most of the the snaps. You know, Devontae wasn't a five star. Maybe he did play like one, um, but you know, you had James Wilder and him pretty much splitting carries. So I don't. You know, that hasn't been a recipe here like that. You know, a, a Dalvin is what you need to win a national title, a Cam Akers, you know, so I'm I'm not concerned about it, but I don't know if that. Maybe. No, and I and look, I, maybe maybe Dalvin gives him one more win because he's so special. He breaks off a run that that nobody else has. I, I didn't get to I wanted to finish yeah. that. I didn't want you guys to think that I thought that Dalvin was uh, just dismissed Dalvin's uh, incredible no, talents. No, but. By and large, you are going to run the ball here. You're you're going to have you're going to plug in guys that are going to average 220 or so yards a game rushing or 200 yards a game rushing. You'll have a running game by committee. Um, by committee. Yeah, by committee. Um, now, look, I think Mike Norvell is smart enough that if he got a Dalvin, 
that he would he would ride that pony a little bit. Twenty carries a game, not thirty two like Jimbo used to do, but twenty. Um, twenty two. I think that's where I think that's kind of where I expect Benson to be next year. Uh, right around eighteen to twenty carries a game, but that's still fifteen or sixteen other carries or twenty other carries for other guys. Um, I I don't know. I, I look. You always want the the better players, the better your team is. So if there's a five star out there that you can get, go get them. Um, but I just think that even if you don't, the beauty of this offense and the way it's constructed, and the way it's coached, is you're still going to run the ball and run the ball well. Okay. Well said, Corey. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Yeti nineteen eighty one. He's got a he's got a bunch. Uh, let's. He, he. This also is a question from our guy Eric Angel, though Noel forty three. So they both want to know uh, who do you like for the defensive back coach position. I will delegate and uh, defer to uh, El Jefe uh, Gene Williams dot com with the uh, the name Torian Green or Gray rather is one of the names that uh, he has heard. So uh, Gene's usually plugged into the coaching searches. Uh, side of things but there hasn't been a lot of names float out there but when we do know those names we'll, we'll put them out on the board for our subscribers but there you go a little sneak peek behind it so that was just saying we, we're only doing that because that's by the time you listen to this that's been up for three days now right right yeah yeah we, we, we're not giving away the uh no. the scoop no. on this free show guys you can you can sign up for what is it ten dollars a year yeah, well, until the start of the football season next year. So the, yeah. the longer you wait, the less the value is. Everybody, yeah, so. so you can uh, so you can get all of it here. So you can get all that information really quickly um, because we're not the we're not in the breaking news business. We're more in the pontificating opinion mm. business. Um, but yeah, I I don't I I honestly don't have a name. I brought up Buckley on headlines um, just because you know I I think Terrell Buckley's chances of becoming a a, a head coach at a high level. I don't know that they're increased by being the head coach of an XFL team. Hmm. I just don't. Um, I think he'd be interested. I think he was interested a few years ago when they hired uh, Woodson instead. But that would be my vote. But that's just because I had the guy's posters on my wall when I was a kid. Uh, and he was one of my all-time favorite players. And he's done a re really good job. But I, I'm, I'm admitting I'm, I'm biased. Hmm. Um, I'm sure Norvell will have a lot of, like I said, a lot of uh, quality applicants for that job. All right, here we go. Rapid fire. Do you see any other coaching changes this offseason? No. I don't. No, I don't either. Do they go after a portal kicker or stick with Fitzgerald? Ooh. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a tough one. I would uh if there's one interested, I I, I went on on three on uh, on Thursday and looked up like the the kicker the kicker rankings in the portal and like all the top ten are committed. Yeah. Um yeah. so but that's another I, I, one where you'd like, you'd like to go to the portal, right, Corey? Because you've seen yes. those guys kicking pressure situations in front of 50,000, yep. 60,000 people. Well, not only that, but um, I don't trust the guy you have coming back. And I love you, Fitzy, but um, there is a chance that this team can be playing for some real stuff mm -hmm. in 2023. And it's, it's when you don't have a kicker that you can trust to even get it there from 52 or 53 yards in this day and age, because Fitzgerald missed one against Oklahoma that was short from that distance, and he missed one against Syracuse, I think. Oh, LSU that, wasn't LSU? Didn't he come like woefully short on a kick? He well, he did, but then he got you know he went back to his three step thing, and uh, and we thought he'd figured it out. But it, even with the three step, he the three step technique against Syracuse and against uh, Oklahoma on kicks that were right down the middle looked like anyway they were short. And in this day and age, when you're playing elite football. And I look around the country, all these guys have enormous legs, and you might need a 53-yarder to win a game, and you don't even know that you can trust your guy to get it there. So I would, at the very least, want him to have some real competition. Hmm. 
Uh, and then do you think we ever recruit a fullback, or do we just use it too rarely that we'll only stick a linebacker there when we need a lead blocker short yardage guy? Yeah, I mean, do high schools even use a fullback? So who's who's even out there to recruit that plays quote unquote fullback? Yeah, that's that position's gone. Yeah, it's a dying position. It's the dodo. There's not really a fullback there anymore. I, I think. Look, I think Jaheim Bell can give you some of that. Um, he can, he can be lined up in that spot. I think uh, maybe Holmes from Penn State. He's a big guy. You could line him up there in the DJ Lundy role. But how often was DJ Lundy on the field right. this year on offense? Like. Nine I could have, plays, I could have looked that up if we plays. would have had this set up. I could have probably looked that up. Sorry, buddy. That's all right. I just guessed nine. I'm going to guess nine, so it's it's close to that. Growing up, my dad used to take me to the game at the stadium. We'd watch our favorite team play, and then we'd always eat at Zaxby's. That's why it means so much to me that Zaxby's is the official chicken of college fans. To me, they go together perfectly. It reminds me of my dad and... Oh, come on, Rap! Are you serious? Get some glasses! Terrible call! Now I take my kids to the game, and we always eat at Zaxby's, too. It's tradition. We're proud to be the official chicken of college fans. Zaxby's, indescribably good. And don't forget to listen in for the Zaxby's indescribably good player of the week every Monday on Wake Up War Chant. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our guy Island Chief says, wake up. I've made a couple of resolutions for the new year in hopes that I become a better version of myself. The climb, nice. if you will. What resolutions does this team need to make to continue their climb? Do you guys have any shareable resolutions? I'm too old for resolutions. As always, support the great sponsors here that make this show possible and excellent. Thank you, Alan Chief. I, you know, I got to read this one beforehand. And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I'm pretty happy with everything and everybody. I know they lost three games, so there's room for improvement. The only thing, this would be really hypercritical, but you know, there was moments earlier in the season, I don't think we saw it, in the second half when Florida State went on their winning streak, maybe a little bit early on against Oklahoma. I thought that interception that Jordan threw was a little bit kind of forced, but hey, man, he's allowed to make a mistake every 16 well, that quarters was a or fourth, whatever. But, but that was fourth down. Yeah, but the throw just had no – just there was nothing there. It was just No, no, I, I got, got it, but I was everything. saying the, the, the interception was they were going to turn it over on downs anyway. I, so, yes, he, he kind of locked into Johnny Wilson, and obviously that wasn't the right guy to throw to in that moment. Like we had seen during the Wake Forest game and the NC State game, he didn't really do it against Clemson, but Wake and NC State, like when things weren't going according to plan, where maybe they weren't getting the looks they were expecting to see, what they had practiced, there was a little bit of unnerve, uh, like a a little bit of, you know, a little, you know, a little awkwardness, if you will, there, just not being on the same page with everything. And you kind of got to be a little bit more calm and relaxed. But again, we didn't see that really rear its head, I don't think, uh, in the second half of the season. So. And he's your trigger, man. Otherwise, you know, ball security from the running backs has been okay. Maybe Johnny Wilson should make a resolution and never drop a ball. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, otherwise, I don't know, man. Derek McClendon, man, make make your resolutions to become a dog. Like, you mm. you want to be a dog, and you're trying your darndest to be a dog. But, man, let's, let's connect the dots. Let's get that one wire properly plugged in and twisted on uh, that makes you just an absolute freaking – 
you know, pain in the rear end to deal with uh, so that, you know, Patrick and, and Jared can freely uh, tap out when they have to. Otherwise, yeah, I'm fine. Any other, any resolutions these players or coaches need to make, Corey? Uh, yeah, you know, you brought up a good point uh, that, that I hadn't thought of, but the the one, the biggest gripe I have with this team this year um, was the runs that it allowed in the ga- in the games they lost. Um, obviously, I don't know what NC State scored the final, what was it, the final 16 points of that game. They went on a 16-0 run, which was one touchdown and three field goals. Uh, I think that guy set the NCAA record for field goals in a career, by the way. Yeah. Um, at 97, which is crazy. Um so, uh, and I think half of them are against Florida State. So you you have to you have to get better at stopping those runs. Wake had a twenty eight zero run. Clemson had a twenty seven zero run. And I think that was what I saw at the end of the year that gave me some confidence that Oklahoma and Florida both had their runs where it looked like they were in control of the game, but they were limited to two straight scores and not four straight scores. Because when you give up a twenty eight nothing run, you're going to lose that game. And you gave up a 28-0 run and a 27-0 run at home to Wake Forest and Clemson. But, I, you know, that's as much to do with the offense as the defense. It's not a run if you're scoring on the other end. And I did think there were those, those two games in particular in the middle of the season, um, Wake Forest really in particular, I thought the offense pressed. Um, I thought it got tight. I thought Jordan didn't play his best. And I thought they thought they had to score every time they had the ball because the, it just wasn't. It was the act, It was the exact opposite of complimentary football, um, because they the defense wasn't playing well and the offense didn't pick it up um, and help it out. But they they did do that the rest of the way. So like you know the offense only had eleven points at half against Oklahoma, and they were still in the game. Yeah, the defense did enough. It wasn't great, but it did enough to keep them in the game, and then got that stop to start the half they got Florida State a chance to go take the lead. So there was that complimentary football they played in the third quarter, really, of both those games, which had me, which gave me hope, but that would be my resolution. It's just enough with those runs. Don't give up. Great, great teams don't give up 28 nothing runs. It doesn't happen. The offense steps in at some point, or the defense gets a stop at some point. And some people might say, hey, get better play calling. You know, don't get too cutesy. But I don't think after that LSU game, there wasn't, you know, you're not going to hit every single play call perfectly, but there's not a lot to really gripe about when it comes to the play calling offensively. Defensively, man, they do blitz sometimes. Sometimes they don't blitz. So there's there's a balance of, of them bringing pressure, and I don't know what you would want Adam Fuller to do because if he blitzed all the darn time, you would say, what are you doing? You're leaving these guys in tough situations, and if he didn't bring pressure, you'd be like, what are you doing? You're making it too easy for the offense. So we try to be practical here on this show. That was my practical sure. take. Uh, we're getting close to the end, but we're not quite there yet. Let's see what we can get in here. Tiff Knoll 69 we're going to combine this uh, along with our guy, Armchair Osceola. They want to talk about NIL. Uh, Tiff Knoll says, I read a comment from the NCAA. Um, I read an athletic director comment, I guess, on the NCAA, needing to reel in the NIL craziness. Not in those words, but do you think this gets addressed in the next few years? Uh, and then Armchair Osceola, we hear a lot of discussion about NIL figures like Drake May getting $5 million from other teams to leave UNC, but how much of this is fact and fiction in terms of paydays to players? If you had to put a plus-minus on what it costs a few teams at different levels, let's say Alabama, Utah, Oklahoma State, and Wake, to keep their team together and prevent everyone from hitting the portal, what would those numbers be in your best estimation? Oh, Ooh, that's tough. Like, Texas A&M lost 27 guys to the portal. Um, <laughs> really? Jeez. 
Yeah, and I would think, I mean, you know, they got they had a guy enter that's like the number one defensive end available, um, number five or number seven overall in the uh, in the on three rankings. Um, I would I would assume of those twenty seven guys, they probably would have liked to have kept half of them. So let's say 13, 14. And I don't know, man. I I think it, you know, a couple mil. I, I it's hard to even guesstimate. It's hard to even have a uh, uh, a realistic notion of what it costs. Yeah. Um, but I do think it will be policed eventually. And I think, but until I think eventually these guys are going, the, the players are going to be made employees. That way they have real contracts with the schools. Because right now they don't have contracts with the schools. So. Mac Brown can go on there. It wasn't Mac Brown. It was Narduzzi that said that he heard that um, somebody offered somebody. These schools were offering uh, Drake May five million dollars to come play football for them. But were those schools offering it? And I'm I'm talking a- absolutely semantically here. Or was it those schools' collectives? Right. That, you know that right. that you just put your head in the sand and be. I don't know what my I don't know what my collective is doing. Mike Norvell's like, I have no idea what Rising Spirit Battles End is doing. I'm, I'm happy these guys want to transfer here, but I have no idea what they're being offered. I'm not allowed to know. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I, I think you have these outside elements that could, um, and I'm not saying anybody's doing it yet, although, come on, let's be honest, um, that could be, um, what, do you, what do you call it? What, what's the word I'm looking for? When you, tampering? When you, yeah, you're tampering mm-hmm. to somebody that's not in the portal yet. I think if you make these players employees where they have contracts, like you sign a contract with Battles In that's three years and it's uh, it's a non-compete and you can't go make money for any other school. You can leave if you want, but you're not allowed to go make money for any other school. Yeah, I mean, we need a lawyer. I don't know how, I don't know how legal that look, is. Look, man, but people have non-competes all the time. I mean that's you know it would it would end up being you have a non compete for twelve months after you leave, which would make it just it would get it would have the transfer uh, market the same that it was before the portal, or before nil. We're like you had to sit out a year, so if you're you can leave Florida State if you want, but that money that you've been being paid, you you are still the quote unquote you, your rights are still held by these collectives. You're not allowed to go get paid by another collective until the next calendar year. So until 12, so you can go if you want, but you can't make any money. And we're not going to pay you because you breached your contract. So all that can be taken care of in writing. Until that happens, which who knows if that will ever happen. I, I think the only way to curb it is to actually make guys employees and set up uh, pay scales depending on how long you're there, how much you play, blah, blah, blah. It's weird, but that's where we are, right, Aslan? Yeah. I I like your hopefulness, your optimism on it. I don't know who step. I think like I literally think United States Congress has to step in and put the pressure to make NIL become regulated. The NCAA is not going to figure it out. Maybe if these teams break off autonomously, although they got their expanded playoff and they got it moved up, so yeah. maybe that keeps everybody together for a little bit longer. But until it becomes the power two and everybody's just all in on football and they figure out what they're going to do, I just I don't know who's going to be able to regulate it. I want it to be regulated. And I don't know, man, if we said Alabama had to pay $10 million to keep everybody intact pretty much, I don't know, like Wake, like a million maybe? If, I don't know, maybe not even that much. But then, yeah, I mean, if you're a good receiver at Wake Forest, like, yeah, you can threaten to leave 
and maybe get three hundred thousand dollars. You know, you're like, all right, whatever, leave. You know, we don't we don't have that kind of money here at Wake Forest. All right, well, I'll leave. I'll go to LSU. LSU will pay me three hundred thousand dollars. So you would have to step up and pay that kind of money. But I, I would I'd be very surprised if Wake Forest was paying more than a million dollars to keep their team intact. Right. Well, I'd be very surprised think, if Alabama was paying less than ten million to keep. Uh, their team maybe, intact. maybe we'll see what the retention is there. Yeah, somebody like Bryce Young. But I I think we keep we keep delving further and further into this. Like we're, we're going more and more down the rabbit hole and finding out what this thing is going to be because it keeps changing. It's ever evolving. We don't like Alabama now knows because they, I doubt they had to pay Bryce young and will Anderson nearly what they would have had to pay them if they were coming back next year. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like I think these, these rates as, as these college football players hear the whispers and see these, all these transfers, the rates are going to continue to go up and up and up. And that is the biggest problem with this is unlike the NFL, because look, it's cool. They get paid. That's fine. There's no, nobody knows. There's no real rules to it. There's no uh, salary cap and there's no, nobody even knows what the other, like what did Sam Hartman get for going to Notre Dame? Yeah. Would it surprise you if he got two and a half million? No, not at all, Uh but it might be 9 million or it might be 400,000. I have no idea. That's, that's where there's still that, all that, uh, that the gray area of not even knowing what the going rate is. I can't for wait till guys. they. I can't wait. I can't wait till that becomes like open information. That's going to be great. I can't wait till yeah. everybody knows. Yep. Because yep. then, then, then we'll start getting the. Now you really know what everybody's making in the locker room. How that's going to affect things. Yep. All right. Let's yep. try to. Well, the, the players in the NFL have to deal with it. Yeah. But you know. Well, they're, they're not professionals. Yeah, they're not eighteen. Yes. All right, uh, let's hustle through these rests here. Warpath, Noel. Wake up, fellas. Ten wins, baby. Uh, I want to take a minute to thank you, too, for helping us get through the dark times. The last five years, painful, but listening to the two of you every morning has made it bearable. Sincerely, thank you. Appreciate it, Warpath, Noel. That's very sweet. Thank you. Two questions. As hard as it's been to just be a fan, how much more difficult was it trying to cover and hype up the fans over the last five years from your perspective? Not hard for me. The Willie Willie Tiger was exciting in 18. Then 19, it was like, all right, we're going into this every week thinking whether he's coaching for his life. So th- for me, that was exciting because I like coaching searches. Then 2020, you had a, a first-year coach. Uh, so that was fun to hype up and get ready for. And then 2020 was the same thing. Last year, like there was a moment after their own four where Mike Norvell's coaching for his life every single week. So for me, I was excited to see what was going to happen. So it wasn't that I mean, it wasn't it wasn't fun. I don't know. Maybe exciting is not the right word, but like there was something to talk about that was going to keep a, a show fueled for forty five minutes every single day. Uh, but for you folks, the anxiety of like, did we miss again? That was probably a little bit of a bummer. But for me, it, it gave us something to talk about. And now it's all going to pay off. You know, no mm. rain, no rainbows. Now we get to see all the rainbows all the time. That's right. Dolly Parton came up with that saying: mm. um, to get the rainbow, you got to put up a little rain. Um, yeah, man, it sucked. 2020 was the worst. It was the worst year of my professional life, probably since I was, well, definitely since I was covering high schools. Um, it, it just, it was in Valdosta. It was just, it was just awful. It was an awful experience. You know, part of it was the job and just how bad Florida State was, but obviously there was a lot of other stuff we were all dealing with. Um, and then last year wasn't much better until October. Like it was, uh, it was a, it was a grind because, you know you're dealing with a passionate fan base and you know you're dealing with a fan base that cares, obviously, but it, it, it gets hard to just be the practical guy all the time and be pragmatic all the time. You want you want to, like, expect stuff. You want to not just explain away losses again and again and again. And um, so I'm just glad we don't have to do that anymore. 
They're, they're what are they? Fifteen and six in their last twenty-one. That's awesome. Good I living. love that. Good living. Yeah, it's a good place to be. Um, Eleven and three in their last fourteen, I think, something like that. So um, it's cool, man. I'm I'm glad they I'm glad they're good because it's not fun. Aslan's right. Coaching searches are great, but in the midst of having to get up and talk five days a week about that 2018 Florida State team yeah. with that offense and Francois and Abdul Bello and those guys, um, you know, people knocking down passes when they're down by 40 points and getting up and finger waving or dropping interceptions and then doing anything complete sign. That's tough to talk about, man. And I, I think I, I blew a fuse somewhere in the 2020 season where I was just done with it. But now we're back, and I'm in a healthy place. I think we're all in a healthier place. Rodney Hill, Rodney Hill, Rodney Hill. There seems to be a lot of smoke that he's going to be special. What is the hype about? Is he a big play type back? Yes. To me, he is. I mean, he is in practice. Mm -hmm. he, bust, you know, he busted more than one 70 or 80 yarder in practice. Uh, speed, uh, toughness, um, seems to be able to cut very quickly on a dime. Change of direction is really nice. Um Hard to tell with his vision because usually we're watching from the sideline. And so you, we don't see the holes and we don't get the TV angle of it or anything. But, man, he, he runs hard. He's explosive. Um, and he's tough. He's a tough runner. Noel Dad for life. Hey, fellas. First off, thank you for the awesome ride this season. Watching this team was great, but having all the content WarChamp provides, us fans made it special. Two questions. There we go. What comes first, losing season for Dabo or he utilizes the transfer portal? Ooh. The portal. Yeah. I don't think they'll get to sub-500. I think he said something about if NIL ever becomes a thing, he'll get out of coaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's still coaching. All right. And so him talking about not wanting to be a part of the portal, you make adjustments, you make deals with yourself to keep your job and to keep winning. I, I think he will eventually come around. I think it's too late this year. But next year, I think he goes into that, to that seat, the December season, the portal season with a whole different outlook than he did this year. Second question, with Jimbo putting together his version of the longest yard in College Station, it made me mm. think, who is your top three most disliked coaches in any sport and why? Oh, geez. You know, Urban's got to be there probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty despicable. Dave Bliss? Okay. Is that a good answer? The guy from yeah, Baylor? He's really way to reach back. That's a good one. Go he's look one that, that one up, uh, kids. He wanted, his, yeah, he wanted his players to cover up a, a murder of one of his one of his other players. It was crazy um, at Baylor. Who's another one? There's got to be somebody I'm not thinking of. Shane Beamer. You don't like Shane Beamer right now a lot, right? No, no. He's fine. He's okay. fine. He's a little too tall for his britches, but he's, he's fine. Um, There's got to be a baseball opinion. coach out there I don't like. That's just too old school baseball. You know, that's not what we do. There's got to be somebody out there who's, whose name escapes me. Um, but I can't think of it right now. And there's got to be another college coach. Just I, Bill Belichick's up there, too. I don't like Bill Belichick at all. I respect oh. what he does, but, like, sure. he's just the whole mumble. And we're not, we're not going to talk about that. We're yeah. Actually, all right, cool, man. Cool. Awesome. Uh, but I don't know. The, we'll leave the wild card up to you folks. Nobody, Corey, you got too much love in your heart? To, uh, I do, man. I, I'm sure there's uh, Urban Meyer was a great one. Dave Bliss. Um, those are my two. Those are two with a bullet. They're, they're, you can't get. You can't usurp them. I, I can't think of a. I can't think of a third one right now that's even in contention. But I will. Larry I will. Boa. By the way, who? Larry Boa, back from the Phillies. You know, back in the Braves, Phillies. Oh no, no, no. They were never good enough to care. Um, 
You know what I mean? Back then, the, when he was co- uh, no, I can't. Uh, I can't. I can't think of one off the off the top of my head. I will though. It'll come to me. Uh, Mike Bray, you like Mike Bray, and you, you're fine with Tony Bennett. There's got to be a call. I mean, K, K is K, is Coach K up in there? No, I like K. Okay. I like K. I like I like all those guys. Uh, right, Bayheim is a good one. Oh, I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of Bayheim. What about the coach from Northern Illinois in 2012? Yeah, uh, Mike Carey. But I, it's just that one interact that one week that I would okay. despise him. I don't know if he's a. I, it's not years and years of yeah. distaste. It's just the one week but uh yeah that's a good answer too there's a lot there's a i'm look man there's plenty of possibilities and plenty of great answers they're just not all flooding to me right now i think it's because my numbness is worn off mm, and right, i'm we'll starting try. to feel like i had a root okay. canal a few hours ago um speaking of the a&m staff arthur dane says where do they rank in terms of all-time likability uh, in contrast uh, how likable is this staff uh, this staff is very likable a&m yeah you got adazio dj durkin uh, bobby petrino and jimbo I just can't. I love Jimbo, I, though, so I can't. I can't I'll imagine what those myself. what that's going to be like. Those two guys working together on the offense because they've both been running their own offense for two decades yeah. at a high level, both of them. Mm-hmm. So what is Jimbo going to? Because I've watched Jimbo in action at practice. He's behind the quarterback the whole time, screaming the whole time. Is he going to do that? Yeah. Or is he going to? What's he going to do? Is he going to be up in a tower? No. That's not what Jimbo's going to do. He'll be a quarterback's coach kind. He'll still be yelling at them. You know, he'll be offering pointers and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure. Maybe well, I'll take a field trip and let you know how it goes. But he's is he really going to give the offense over to Bobby Petrino? Like, is he going to give it over and just be like, I'm the I'm the I'm coaching my coaches. I'm not I'm not going to be calling plays. I'm not going to I'm not going to be on the headsets. I'm not going to be there in practice or in the film room. He's going to go stir crazy. He's not going to know what to do with himself if that's not that to him is coaching. Yeah. And if he's not, if he's delegating and not coaching, I, I just that's gonna be, uh, that's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be incredible. And that dude in particular, to be the guy he's gonna be, uh, his assistant. I, I it's uh, so I wish somebody would write. I wish Jimbo would give anybody access so they could write a book, mm. because it would be an incredible book. All right, uh, Seminole Carroll did uh, have umbrage with your top ten. She thinks that Jordan's scramble against the Gators, that was going to be my number one play of the year. She thinks that should have been number one as well. Uh, you I think the reason block. when I, I get it, Carol, I understand. I think the reason I didn't make it, I made the I made the Johnny Wilson catch and then the, the block ahead of it is because of where they happened in the game. Because Jordan's scramble was still in the first half. So there's no guarantee that they don't come back and win that game, even if he doesn't make that scramble. Maybe Fitzgerald makes the kick after the sack, and maybe they come back in the fourth quarter and win anyway. Um, Johnny Wilson, you know, if he doesn't make that catch, it's third and 10 on your own 20 with three minutes to go. And if Shaheen Brown doesn't block that extra point, I mean, I, don't, I, I didn't like Florida State's chances going into that overtime. That's all. That's the, that's the only point I was making. Uh, WAC 169 FSU Robert they want to know what we saw behind the scenes that we weren't able to talk about uh, WAC 169 three best and worst things you saw in practice that we did not talk about I feel like I don't, I don't think we sat on anything uh, the worst thing was them playing Toto's Africa going to the NC State game we talked about that that was horrible uh, wasn't the reason they lost but what was going on and a coach barked at the guy that did that FSU Robert was saying regarding the trick plays we saw this season can you comment on watching them in practice and how They've been used. Any funny stories? Like, we're like, oh, gosh, that looks horrible. Please don't do that. I don't remember seeing that. Did we see them practice Philly special? I don't. I definitely know we never saw them practice uh, the 
the pokey the swinging gate. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I don't think we saw swinging gate all that much, which they they ran for successfully against Oklahoma. Maybe they ran Philly special. We we saw like uh, some stuff they didn't use. None of it was like, oh, can't wait to see that. But I feel like maybe they did run Philly special because there was they ran something gadgety that we yeah. mentioned on the show the next like on the Monday after the game was played. Like, yeah, we did see them practice that. Um, last they ran year, versions. Last they ran year, there versions were, of that. Yeah, twenty one. There were some running back throws. They were like, yeah, don't. Don't do that. Please don't do that. They didn't, I don't think so. But, you know, 2022, Corey, three best thing, worst things you saw. Um, and any uh, thoughts on the gadgets that you saw them practice on? Yeah, they would always do a like a, a, a sort of kind of get, not always, but a lot of times they would do a gadget play right before their first break. Um, in b- Before sometimes they'd go inside after, after doing some drill work, they would always run like one play from the three-yard line. And it seemed like it was always kind of a gadgety play. I guess it was a practice for a two-point conversion play. Um, but I think they work on most of that stuff on Thursday and Friday when we're not there. Thursday in particular, I think, is when they might. Just because you never know. I mean, they know the guys at Warchant aren't going to give away state secrets. We're not going to be telling anybody about trick plays, but you don't know about the other people that are watching practice. So I think you know, we're allowed to watch Tuesday and Wednesday. I think the stuff they implement, like the swing and gate, or that play, the the Jordan Travis play, um, you know, that's probably saved for Thursday and Friday when we're not around. Um, as far as practice, yeah, not a lot um, of scraps, not a lot of yelling matches. No. Yeah, nothing, not a lot of dramatic stuff. It's pretty work. No, I mean, I will say that, like, in in uh, you know, when I saw Duke Cooper struggling, we talked about it, um, and it became a it became a narrative throughout the year, one that was true. Um, and then, you know, the good that again, I just want people to understand that's the there was that day in practice where Jordan Travis just looked unbelievable. The passing game, this was like the middle of August. Yeah, before, right before they, they went before, to Jacksonville, yep, I think. Yep. Yep. And it it just lit them up. It torched them. And it was twofold. Number one, it was incredible to see the passing offense of Florida State move like that with receivers that could make plays. But also it showed that the Florida State uh prevent prevent defense needed a little work. Because they got lit up, and if you remember the New Orleans game, when they were in prevent, they got lit up. Now, they, they got better at it as the season wore on, but uh, that's the beauty of getting to watch practice. I don't have any specific plays or memories that come to mind, but you get the feel of what a team is good at and what it isn't good at, and uh, that's, that's, that's one of the, that is the coolest thing about getting to watch practice is you get to see who's good and you get to see what they're good at. All right, fell swoop. We're just going to spray everything that's left. XEQ004, he thinks we got some doppelgangers in our tribe. Corey has a strong resemblance to Sean McDermott, coach okay. of the Bills. That's uh, better than I used to be, man. Remember yeah. the guy on the trail a couple years ago that told me I looked like the dude from Pawn Stars? <laughs> So I'm I'm trading up at least with all this working out I'm doing. So that's good to know. Uh, Azaria Thomas looks a bit like Jamar Chase. Okay. I don't okay. know what Jamar Chase looks like. Yeah, kind of looks like Azari Thomas. Okay, well, there you go. Right. Uh, question, uh, biggest surprise player on offense and defense this past season? He says Maurice Smith, uh, Greedy Vance. Hmm. I mean, Jordan Travis for me offensively and Jared Verse. I just didn't – I mean, we didn't get to see all of it out of Jared Verse, but I was like, yeah, give him another year. But, golly, after like two games, you're like, man, this guy is a force. But yeah, Jordan yeah, but offense, I, Jared. I think I thought he was going to be a really good player back in August. Uh, I didn't know that. I'm trying to think of somebody that just really was uh, Trey Benson, I guess. Yeah, he's I there. thought, you know, especially the way he started the season, uh, you know, I thought he was going to be the number two or number three guy. Um, and then he was not. And then on defense, 
Um, Jarian Jones and Renardo Green. Renardo Green, maybe more than any. I, I just that guy was nails really the whole season. He was your most consistent cornerback by a mile, and he just played really. He even made a really good play in the Oklahoma game on a deep pass, mm-hmm. breaking one up down the sideline. He just was a good college cornerback, which I I didn't know that he would ever contribute again for this football team, and they ended up being a very very meaningful member of the 2022 defense. Um, Magats, Mignats. Uh, okay. We've seen the cherry pick players from the portal from South Carolina. Yeah. Do you think Norvell told Shane Beamer that he might want to look at a couple of prospects a little closer in anticipation of snagging them later? I think Norvell on signing day goes and looks who Beamer signed. He's <laughs> like, okay, is this a guy I can use in a couple of years? Is this a guy I need next year? Let's see. I mean, it's crazy. There was another kid on campus uh, yeah. this week yeah. that's Gilbert a, a defensive end transfer yeah. from South Carolina. Go check out Michael's I mean, write-up on it, everybody. It's crazy. It's crazy what's going on there. Um, and then, yeah, he's you know one of his position coaches. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it's odd. It's it's really odd. But, uh, hey, man, it's, it worked out with Kier and Jamie Robinson. Jamie especially. Kier was a very good player, but Jamie was a program changer. Um uh, but from South Carolina, that was that's and Jaheim Bell might be, uh, you know, have a Jamie Robinson type impact on the offense. Joe Clark, seventeen. Will we have a top five offense next year? What is our floor for points per game if Jordan stays healthy? Thirty five. Um, I don't think it's going down from what it was this year. Well, that would be going down. They are thirty six point one, Corey. Okay, well there you go. Thirty six point one is your floor um, if it just stays the same. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you judge it beat up. I mean, they're going to put points on North Alabama and Southern miss, although they had Duquesne that kind of, I'm just trying to think about if they play offense the way they did this past season, would anybody complain, you know? Um, no. So, but then top five would be making some strides there. Uh, but all right, I'll say top five. They do have a top five. Will they play, they have potential to be top five offense. Now, will they hit that? I don't know. What's the what were we basing on yards or points? Probably points, I guess. Well, they're oh. I mean they're tenth in yards, they're sixteenth in points. So, um, yeah, I mean I just maybe top five power five. I mean, there's always some of those yeah. group of five schools that average forty six a game because of who they play. You're not gonna you you might not get top five there. Um, top five ish, they'll be in the neighborhood, I think, in both top ten in both. Which is, I mean, at that point, you're it's just again, it's degrees of great. So I, I think they have a they have a chance, not a chance. They are a great offense, uh, and they have a chance to be better. Uh, two more. Our guy Steele twenty one twenty seven. He asked the the fuller question that I bundled, but he had a second part about um, you know leveling things off for the offense. Uh, I guess a little quick fun exercise, Corey. Um, what rule change do you think would have the greatest impact on leveling the field for the defense? He says not allowing offensive linemen run down the field on screens. Which you know they oh. sometimes uh, they get out there ahead of the yeah. I was thinking just getting rid of pass interference. Oh yeah, that'd be just mug them. I was gonna say well, something about like you, you have to get close enough to them to mug them. I think but, you'd only go for it on fourth down twice until the fourth quarter. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, kind of like a... challenges, you know. Then the fourth quarter is like all right. Then everything's operating in the booth or like under two minutes. Everything's up in the booth. Like, yeah, first, second, third quarter, man, just that or maybe like a play clock, play clock where like you after six seconds, the play's dead. The the defense wins. It's like loss of down. But that would be really too radical. What do you mean? I don't understand that last one. So like 
once you snap the ball and you take it in your hands, you got five seconds to either throw the ball for the quarterback or hand the ball off. Like oh. you can't you can't keep scrambling can't around behind the line of scrimmage around. for five seconds. Like because you know when they do seven on seven stuff, like the quarterback throws it in the ground as guard, the defense right. gets a win. Uh, that won't happen. You're going to change the entire complexion of the sport. But I think here's one that I think fourth I, down. I think you could do, and I don't think it would change the game much at all. Is but I think it would be fair to the defenses if is if you get you get rid of uh, being able to ground it. Like every time you throw the ball where it's not intended to be caught, that is intentional grounding whether you're outside the pocket or not. So once you break containment on the outside and you're looking downfield, looking downfield, nobody's open, you can't throw it into the stands. You have to take a sack or you have to try to throw it to a, uh, a teammate. Because and I, I, I cannot stand, and Tom Brady does it better than anyone, but when you throw a ball that short hops your guy's ankle, at 100 miles an hour from three feet away, yeah. that is intentional grounding. <laughs> you have intentionally thrown an incomplete pass to avoid a sack because they've read the screen well. So you just throw it at his feet knowing they're not going to call it. Well, if they call that intentional grounding, Tom Brady's got to think of something else he, because that is the definition of trying to throw a pass incomplete just to avoid a sack. I think if they got rid of that rule, so all these times you see Jaden Daniels did it six times in New Orleans. If you're rolling out and there's nobody open, well, sorry, man, you're going to have to run out of bounds and take a seven-yard loss. You don't get to live to see third and three. It's third and ten now. Or it's not second and ten, it's second and 18. Like, I think that would, that would help uh, immensely. With, uh, with, 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 that would help defenses immensely. And quarterbacks would adjust. I know the, the counter to that is you don't want quarterbacks taking hits. Well, I don't care. You know, I, quarterbacks run all over people. Quarterbacks are running for 100 yards a game, and then when any time somebody gets close to them, they can throw it out of bounds with impunity because they're outside the tackle box. Just get rid of that. There's no tackle box that you can get to be outside of. It used to be that way. They changed it to where if you're outside the tackle box, you could throw it away. It didn't used to be that way. It used to be if you rolled out and you were near the sideline and you threw it in the stands, it was intentional grounding. Just go back to that. All right, last one. We made it. Flavanol. We, we have did it. We have a stable of running backs. And the addition of Bell as a H back, Jaheim Bell. Thoughts on occasionally using a T offense with Jordan Travis, Trey Benson, Jaheim Bell, and or Toafili, Keziah Holmes, Rodney Hill, particularly in short yardage. Got the idea of watching Utah use it successfully against Southern Cal in the Rose Bowl. Uh, I think he means Penn State. Ten years ago, this would have been a laughable suggestion. Now it seems like it could be a nice tool to make other teams have to worry about and could actually be effective. Yeah, man. Yeah, go, go. You know, full, full, uh, full house backfield. Sure, why not? I think you go into this game. You go into this season. Um, he he's got nine months. He's never had a roster like this. He's never had a quarterback like this. He's never had a a group of running backs and skill players that could all play like this. Um, he's going to do a lot of. I think. I I you know you don't want to put. You don't want to change too much because it worked. But I think there will be some wrinkles that you add when you have this kind of personnel. Again, I think the fact that you, you want to speed up the game a little, you want to go a little quicker, you want to try to do the math to figure out how can you squeeze out one more possession per game. And if that means snapping the ball with 29 on the play clock instead of 24, do it. But you are going to have the most talented offense in every game you play. You need to have them on the field as much as possible. And you need to do some, uh, you know, maybe a couple of different things. Yeah, there could be some wrinkles there for sure. Right? Yeah, they they didn't have a ton of weaknesses this year on offense. Red zone at the beginning was one. So, 
do whatever you got to do to make sure that doesn't happen in 2023. Mm. Yeah, there's. But it's all on the that. table, right? I think he's yeah. he's will he's not he he's not going to be stubborn. He 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 might come up with a couple new uh, looks or or ideas when it comes to this offense to to maximize the potential he has or the the personnel he has. All right, we made it. That's a wrap. We'll do this again next week. We'll do like three shows. Unless we need to do more if there's more breaking news and stuff. But check out Warchant.com here in the meantime. We'll have uh, plenty of content up throughout the weekend. There will be more visits on campus. We were thinking from folks in the transfer portal. So uh, Michael Langston's got you guys covered over on the Warchant.com premium recruiting board. Check that one out. Uh, And any other sort of breaking news will be covered over on the YouTube page as well as Warchant.com. And the Jeff Cameron Show coming up when the 3 o'clock. Also, real quick, Aslan, shout out to the FSU women. They got another win on uh, Thursday night. Beat Clemson badly at home. Uh, Latson again, went over 20 points because that's what she does. Crazy they're not ranked. I don't understand why they're not ranked, but they appear to be one of the better teams in the country. So that's cool. And so congrats to Brooke on another uh, big win. Right on. For Corey, I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up Board Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Barn Grill.